Coming up on today's program, Rabbi concludes this informative end-time series proclaiming about the climactic return of King Jesus. Stay tuned to receive more revelation on the day of the Lord. Rabbi Schneider is a voice crying out in our lost world, pointing mankind to Jesus today. Looking for revelation of God's Word? Hello, I'm Cynthia, Rabbi Schneider's wife. Welcome to today's program. Get ready to receive. God bless you, beloved ones. I'm so blessed to be able to be with you through television and to talk about the Kingdom of God. My name's Rabbi Schneider. Welcome today to this program of Discovering the Jewish Jesus, where we're in a study through the book of Revelation. And in today's episodes, I want to talk about two of the primary keys of the Bible written about in the book of Revelation that almost everybody is familiar with. I want to talk again today about Armageddon, which I also spoke on during the last episode. And I also want to talk today about the return of Jesus Christ, the return of Yeshua HaMashiach. So I'm going to begin today just by offering up a prayer on behalf of all of us. Father God, we worship you today. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would cause your word and your truth to penetrate our hearts and minds and that we would be changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Beloved ones, last time we were together through television during this series, I was talking about Armageddon, called Armageddon or Armageddon. This last great world war will be the climax of world history as it pertains to God finally stepping in and making things right. Because at Armageddon, God is going to defeat his enemies and then establish his kingdom on this earth that he has made for his glory. You know, if you think about it, when you look around, and you see the beautiful birds, see the blue birds, the red birds. I mean, you look at some of the tropical birds with all the colors of a rainbow in their feathers. I mean, beauty beyond belief. I was watching television yesterday and I was watching a show in which somebody was traveling through a place in California with giant redwood trees in the mountains. It was so beautiful. You look at the ocean, you look at the sunset, you look at the butterflies, you look at the rainbow. I mean, God's beauty is so evident on the earth. That's why the Bible says everybody knows there's a God because his eternal attributes and glory, listen now, are clearly seen in what he's made. In other words, when we look in the world and we see God's divine intelligence in creation, that the birds know how to fly south when it gets cold in the winter. That the human body has built-in divine intelligence so that when our body begins to overheat, what does it do? It has a built-in intelligence so that it begins to perspire to cool our body back down. Or when we get an infection, what does our body do? It begins to create antibodies to combat the infection. There's so much intelligence in creation that everybody that is open and honest to the truth will be able to easily discern that there's an intelligent designer beyond creation. 
So doesn't it make sense that the one that created this world will soon step into it and reign over it? See, the Bible tells us that when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, that what happened was a disconnect resulted from that between God and the earth. And we are living in that time of disconnect now, although Jesus has come and the kingdom of God is here, but not in its fullest form because of Jesus. But at the end of Armageddon, God is going to step into this world fully and exert his authority over the earth and listen now, reclaim his creation. And once again, listen now, sovereignly reign over the world. This is why it's important to understand that this last great world war called Armageddon is actually part of God's design because God wants to step back into his creation to reign. And so what he's going to do to set that up, beloved, is he's going to gather the leaders and the peoples of the world that hate him to fight him in a final world conflict that is going to be centrally located, listen now, in Israel. And it makes sense that this last great world war, which is really a war against the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light, it makes sense that Armageddon, this last world war, would find its climax in Israel because Israel is God's land. Israel is God's nation. The Bible says Jerusalem is the great king's capital city. And so it makes sense when God comes to reclaim his creation, this world, that that final world war would take place in his land, Israel. You know, even today, when we look around, we see that, you know what, it is kind of strange that here's Israel, about the size of New Jersey, yet it's so important in the world news. There's been so much conflict around it. There's so much intensity surrounding it. And it's always been like this. I mean, there's something, what's going on? Why so much activity around Israel? You know, in Israel's history, it's been attacked 52 times. I said this last week, besieged 23 times and destroyed twice. So much hatred, even today. Anti-Semitism is growing in France and Germany, Sweden, Poland, Austria, other parts of, of the world. Listen, even on American college campuses, anti-Semitism is growing and it's all building up, beloved ones, to this great world war called Armageddon. I want to go back and read for you today where we find the story of Armageddon in the book of Revelation. It's in the 16th chapter. I'm going to begin once again. And for those of you that were with me last week, this is a new episode, but I just want to set the stage. Revelation 16, verse 13. And then continuing, John says, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. These are demons that take on creature forms, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, listen now, which go out to the kings of the whole world. So there's this demonic energy, listen now, that's focused on the leaders on the earth. And why is this demonic energy focused on the leaders on the earth? Listen now, this text continues to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. And then in the 16th verse, John tells us this war is going to take place at Armageddon or Armageddon. And so this great escalation of the forces of light 
against the forces of darkness is going to take place at the end of the age. And what I want you to understand, this is God's sovereign design that's bringing it about because he wants to put an end to it once and for all. Just a few scriptures that I want to bring to our attention today that add further light on the subject. I want to go to Revelation 12 today. I want you to further get clarity as to why this, uh, this, 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 this uh, time of disaster for so many people is going to take place in Israel. Because Israel is the place, beloved, that the enemy's hatred for God and his people is centered on. Listen to Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse number 13. And when the dragon, and the word dragon in the book of Revelation, is a word that is used for Satan. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman. The woman is Israel who gave birth to the male child. The male child is Jesus. And then it continues to tell us there in the 17th verse, so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and to hold to the testimony of Jesus. So the dragon, listen, he hates the child of the woman who's Jesus. The scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that since Father God raised Jesus to his right hand, the dragon can no longer attack Jesus. So what the dragon has done instead in his rage is he's attacked the woman who gave birth to Jesus, the woman being Israel. He hates Israel, both believing Israel and Jewish people that don't know Jesus as well. He hates Israel as a, as a nation. He hates the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he hates the offspring of the woman, which is, beloved, the church. So Satan's primary target today is Israel as a people, the church who came out of Israel, and the land that is connected to Israel. Thank you for being with me today, my beloved friends. I'm excited. Just a few minutes ago, my producer handed me a few testimonies that we recently received. One of the testimonies that thrills me here is from a shut-in thanking me for broadcasting into the homes of believers that are bound at home due to old age or sickness. I just love the fact that the love of God is reaching people through this ministry. I have here also a testimony from a Muslim who was in the hospital, came to faith in Jesus by watching the program. I want you to know, when you sow financially into discovering the Jewish Jesus, you are sowing into good seed here. We are reaching people and bearing fruit. Paul told us in the book of Corinthians that we should set aside money the first of every week for the spreading of the gospel and the taking care of business of the kingdom. I want to encourage you, become a monthly partner with the Lord through discovering the Jewish Jesus and at his return, I promise you, you will be blessed. So as we read about this conflict that's going to take place centered on Satan's hatred towards Israel and all that's come forth from her, I want to read a few scriptures once again to set the stage today. I want to begin by going to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And it goes on to describe how God is going to step in there at the last moment. Listen, all the nations of the earth, Zechariah said, Zechariah 12, 3, listen, will be gathered against it. 
That's the same thing that John told us in the book of Revelation, that God is gathering all the peoples of the world to Israel for this last world war. Once again, in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, In that day the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the one who is feeble among them in that day will be like David. And in the ninth verse, And in that day I will set about to destroy, the Lord says, all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Let me go on to another scripture here that will bring even further color and revelation. Zechariah 14:2. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured. The house is plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. The scriptural count uh, continues as God stops it. God stops it. Zechariah 14, 3 through 5. For the Lord will go forth and fight against all those nations. It's when he fights on a day of battle. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And the scripture tells us that when the Lord steps in, it's going to look like a nuclear bomb, that their eyes will rot in their, in their sockets, that their flesh will fall off their skin. I mean, when God steps in, his, his wrath is going to absolutely consume His enemies. Now listen to this. I pointed it out last week, but I just want to drive this point home. When God does step in, where is he going to step in at? Where is he going to, where is he going to first manifest his glory at? He's going to do it, beloved ones. Listen, at the Mount of Olives. Zechariah 14, 3. Listen. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. In that day, listen, his feet will stand on the Mount of of olives, which is in front of Jerusalem. Now keep that in mind. When God shows up and all the peoples that came against him, they just, they, they, it's like they're totally wiped out. Again, Zechariah tells us it's going to be like their eyes are going to rot in the sockets. The flesh is going to fall off their skin. They're going to be utterly destroyed. God's wrath is going to be released against the enemies of him and his people. It happens where? from the Mount of Olives. That's what Zechariah just got done telling us. Now listen to this. I love this. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to begin there in verse number 6. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God abides forever. Listen to the Word of God. So when they had come together, this is Jesus' apostles and disciples. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead and this is uh, taking place uh, near the upper room there. So when they had gathered together, they were asking Him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, listen, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. So what's going on? They're asking Jesus, listen, Jesus has risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples, Acts chapter 1, and they say to him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? Are you going to once again exalt Israel and reign on the earth? And Jesus says to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, listen now, he was lifted up, while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, 
Two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up for you into heaven will come again in just the same way if you, as you have watched him go into heaven. Listen now. Then they returned to Jerusalem, hear me now, from the Mount of Olives. They go from the Mount of Olives to the upper room where they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But where were the disciples and apostles when Jesus was lifted off the ground and they saw him visibly ascend into heaven? Where did that happen at? It happened at the Mount of Olives. Where does Zechariah tell us in Zechariah 14, Jesus' second coming will first be made manifest at the Mount of Olives. I mean, I just love the unity of Bible. The same place that Jesus was taken up to heaven from, he's going to return to that same spot. That's why we read in Acts chapter 1 that the angels said to those that watched him go up into the sky and then disappeared into the clouds. That's why the angels said to those that were watching, why are you gazing into the sky? This Jesus is going to return to you, church. Listen now, the angel said, in just the same way. And his second coming is manifest. Listen now, in just the same spot. John tells us about this in the 19th chapter of Revelation. Listen, beloved ones, hear the word of God. Now, before I read it, though, I just want you to understand that so much of what Jesus proclaimed during his first coming was his second coming. We oftentimes don't hear much preached about the second coming of Christ, but the last thing that Jesus said to us is, I am coming quickly. And so many of the parables that he told were about his second coming, about his return. Hear how John described it. I'm beginning in Revelation 19, verse number 11. Hear the word of God. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with the robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with the rod of iron, and he treads the winepress on the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which will fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Once again, to refresh you, this takes place, listen, at the end of Armageddon. That's why at the coming of Christ, we just read about the fact that they're going to feast on, listen now, the flesh of God's enemies, that the birds of the air are going to be turned to feast on God's enemies. 
you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of the commanders and the flesh of mighty men. Because God is going to wipe out and destroy his enemies and set up, beloved ones, his earthly kingdom. I am here today proclaiming to you, Jesus is coming soon. I want you to put your hand over your heart with me right now and repeat this with me out loud. Say this, listen, Jesus is coming back for me. Can you say that with me? Jesus is coming back for me. Beloved, the return of King Jesus is not science fiction. And Armageddon is not simply some sci-fi film. Armageddon is happening. It's going to happen possibly in our lifetime. And Jesus is going to return, beloved, much sooner than you or I think. And we need, listen now, church, to be ready. You may think you're ready, but let me ask you, are you really ready? You may have cleaned up some of the outer things in your life, but listen, are your thoughts cleansed? Is your heart pure? Are you fully committed? Are you disciplining yourself on what you're taking in? What are you watching on television? What are you listening to on the radio? And who are you spending time with? Beloved ones, Jesus's return is near and he's coming back for you. The reason Jesus gave us the book of Revelation, he wants us to be ready for his return. I pray, beloved, that proclaiming God's word to you today has helped you to position yourself in a way that when you meet him, you'll be ready and received into his presence. To say the book of Revelation is a heavy word from the Lord is an understatement. Jesus said in the book of Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, these words, Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. You see, the people in the church of Laodicea that he was addressing here, they thought they were wealthy, but they didn't know God. They didn't love God. Jesus said, I advise you to buy from me pure gold. Beloved ones, I want to encourage you, don't let your money separate you from God. And I say the same thing to myself. Jesus talked a lot about the relationship between God and money or God and mammon because he knew that man had to make a choice. Would he choose God or would he choose money? I want to encourage you to believe God and trust Him with your finances. Beloved, when we're faithful to God with our finances, it sets the rest of our life in order with Him. I love you, beloved ones. God bless you today, and thank you for watching Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Here is how you can partner with us. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. To make a credit card donation, call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To donate securely online, go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com. To show our appreciation, we will send you an audio CD of Rabbi Schneider's Message of the Month, as well as our most recent newsletter. To learn more about this ministry and for more information about Rabbi Schneider's rich spiritual resources, or Messianic music by Joshua James, go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com.
We're glad you joined us today and we want to pray for you. Send us your prayer request by mail or visit us at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Our prayer team meets every Monday to pray over each and every prayer request. Also, if you have a testimony of how the Lord has used this ministry to change your life, we invite you to share it with us. Visit us at our website and click on the testimonies link. And finally, thank you for your prayers and your financial support. In supporting Discovering the Jewish Jesus, you become a partner with God in building His kingdom. May our Father pour abundantly back into your life as you partner together with us. Bold and inspiring. A simple and clear interpretation. The Book of Revelation Decoded by Rabbi K. A. Schneider with nearly 40 years of experience in connecting the Old and New Testaments. Go on a thrilling and intriguing ride for every believer. Your journey will be guided by the lens of the Hebrew prophets. Unlock and uncover answers to ancient mysteries and hidden keys that will affect your life today. Receive God's blessing. The Book of Revelation Decoded. Purchase your copy today by calling 1-800-777-7835 or at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. The Lord gave Moses specific instructions as to how to bless the children of Israel in the book of Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. The Lord instructed Moses this way. He said, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. Speak this over them. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift you up with his countenance and Yahweh give you peace. Then the Lord said, thus you shall bless the sons of Israel and I will place my name upon them. I want to release that exact same blessing into your life right now, beloved one. The Bible says that you've been grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. Lift your hands in faith with me, will you, to receive Father's blessing. Vaishmarecha Yair Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha Yisa Yahweh Panavelecha Veasem Father God is continually imparting himself to you by his spirit in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. He loves you and always will. God bless you in Jesus' name. I love you too. Shalom. You've been watching today and something is happening. You just sense this almost a tension in your heart right now. You, you, you sense that God is doing something and you're not even quite sure how to respond. I just want you to know the person that you're feeling is Jesus. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and am knocking. And if you'll open up to me, I'm going to come in and we're going to live life together. Listen, if you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart right now, all you have to do is say, Jesus, please forgive me, I'm a sinner. Come into my life and save me. I wanna follow you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, 
or even if you want to know more about Jesus, I encourage you to go to the website now that's appearing at the bottom of your screen. Beloved, we want to get some information into your hands. God's got a great life ahead for you. Experience discovering the Jewish Jesus, how you want and when you want. View Rabbi's weekly devotional, Seeds of Revelation, on Facebook. Watch full episodes on YouTube. Download Rabbi's teaching on our mobile app. And read special letters from Cynthia or send a prayer request to our website. Stay connected with one of our many free resources today. Today's episode concludes the series, Decrypting the Book of Revelation, Season 5. If you've enjoyed this series and would like to purchase a copy, visit our website or call the number on your screen.